0: One week season. What is up, OWS fam? Welcome back to the reflection pod. We are here after week five, and we're summing up all of the goodness slash craziness that went on in the NFL in week five. I'm your host, BFritz12, and if you have not been here before, the way this pod works is I break down some high-level strategy stuff, uh, basically something that I cherry-pick from the week either with my play or just with how the week set up in general. Then we move on to a section that I call fluke or fail, which is basically doing a little bit of a review of the top scorers on the weekend, 30-plus point guys, and if we should have been on them or if their performance was just fluky. And then finally... Just recapping what we learned this week, trying to make sure we're taking something away every week and growing as DFS players. So with that, I actually have a handful of things I want to get to today. So let's jump on in, throw this baby on 1.5x speed, maybe even higher, (laughs) depending on how fast you like to listen to your stuff. But let's jump in. All right, first portion here, talking high-level strategy. A couple things I want to hit on here. I first want to take a look at game environments because we talked about that in last week's pod, so just wanted to kind of follow up on what we discussed there. Then I want to move into my theme for this week, which is let the slate come to you and then move on to my personal misses on um, this week. I've got a couple things I'm frustrated about. Uh, I'll share my biggest mistake on the weekend and uh, we'll wrap up this strategy portion there. So, Game environments. Last week, we talked about the importance of identifying game environments and how the best DFS games or excuse me, the best football games usually produce the best scorers of the weekend from a DFS standpoint. I should quickly amend that statement. Uh, Best football games, (laughs) meaning highest scoring ones, Uh, a a true best football game may not be the highest scoring. I digress. So this week, I want to look at some of the games, both good and bad, uh, but game environments that we probably should have been paying attention to. Los Angeles Chargers at the Cleveland Browns. This was one of my personal favorites this weekend. Just really set up as a game where these teams could go back and forth a bit. JM, I believe it was pointed out in the edge that we don't necessarily want to chase games uh, because this matchup was a blow up spot last year. And so we don't want to do that just because, but they really did set up nicely here. This spot really allowed a lot of goodness because these teams also have very narrow distributions. So you've got Herbert Eckler, Mike Williams on the Chargers side and then on the Browns side. Uh, to a lesser extent, Brissette, but then you have guys like Nick Chubb and Amari and again, a little bit lesser extent, Njoku, who really see most of the offensive work on that side of the ball. So you've got a game here that had the opportunity to go back and forth, start Teams that have been struggling a bit defensively, Chargers losing their best defensive player. So this just really set up for these offenses to do well. Uh, I'm a little bummed here. I know this isn't my we're we're not diving into my personal misses just yet, Uh, but I highlighted this game early in the week. And during my first look and then really didn't go as heavily in on it as I should have, especially because of what I just mentioned, narrow distribution wise, as a small field player, I am always looking for those types of teams and trying to load up in those spots. So this was a really pretty game from that standpoint. We'll talk a little bit more about individual plays uh, because I have some thoughts on both sides of the ball there as we go. Next game though, Miami at New York Jets. Well, this game turned out to be interesting, uh, just maybe not in the way that we expected, or at least not the way that I expected. Again, I really liked the way that this game set up. This game had a lot of metrics that pointed to it being a really nice game environment, I want to give a quick shout out to J75, who has the NFL weekly matchups. Google Sheet in the OWS Fam share drive or which is you can find this under the tools drop down menu on the site. Now, if you have not checked that out, I highly suggest you doing so. I use these tools on a weekly basis myself and just really gives you an opportunity to see what uh, your awesome OWS Fam members are putting out there. Uh, But this is this sheet in particular really highlights a lot of the metrics that we're looking for to to kind of zone in on these game environments as we talk about. So, uh, yeah, this one just popped in a lot of those ways. And I noted that I really liked this again, the offenses here. Uh, You've got Teddy Mostert. Waddle and Tyreek Hill, who are the, you know, far and away the contributors on that offense. And then on the Jets side of the ball, you have something that is a little less condensed, but we know who the playmakers on that offense are. And so it was easy enough to build some stuff there. Good game environment, totally different than we uh, probably could have projected, because Teddy went out right away. And I'll talk a little bit about that uh, coming up here, RIP. Uh, but seriously, you know, hope he's all good too. Uh, just kind of crazy that the concussion bug is, is hitting there. Moving on to Philly at Arizona. Interesting, right? Uh this is interesting because we talked about this a little bit last week in that. You have, uh, and already this is going to be not a completely true statement, but you have two good teams, or I would say teams that know each other well, being divisional opponents, that can create a game environment that is either a lot of fireworks or underwhelming. And in this case, although it would not slot Arizona as a good team, uh, they do know Philly and therefore it's not a surprise that this game ended up playing closer and lower scoring than we all expected. Uh, This is one of those games where if you were underweight on this weekend, you probably did pretty well as long as you did a decent job identifying where you were going otherwise. But again, just something to remember that nothing is a sure thing. This looked like an absolute smash spot for Philly and their offense. I'll talk a little bit about that as I go here in uh, some of my play. And yeah, just interesting to pay attention to how these game environments can fail. Seattle at New Orleans. This is a game that I personally was not on at all. Uh, I actually noted this as a potential letdown spot with Seattle coming off of a huge back and forth track meet with the Lions last week we had the Saints who were in London the previous week. So I just thought that these teams were going to come in and just kind of slug it out and not have too much to show. But apparently, it was just the defenses that took a break because this game went back and forth. Uh, and I know we all should have seen Taysom Hill running for three touchdowns and a million yards. Kidding, we should not have. Uh, but just a very interesting the way that that game played out. Uh, we had Rashad Penny injury. We had a Tyler Lockett chalk smash. So interesting game there. Not what I expected, but again, kind of the inverse of the game. We just talked about where the games that we don't necessarily expect to hit as long as there are some pieces there that can come into play uh, that can always happen. So just, you know, these last two games, just interesting to look at and keep really just keep your mind sharp in terms of potential leverage spots or differentiating from the field and seeing how things could play out. You know, JM does angles and uh, OWS always talks about tributaries. Noting those can really go a long way for you, uh, especially if you're in large field play. Okay, I do want to kind of wrap this game environment thing up, Uh, but quickly before we do so, the Bills, this is a spot where, yeah, you don't even have to play the game environment, you just have to play the team that's going to dominate, so yeah, the Bills, they are good, Josh Allen is good at football, Next one, Patriots run game and defense. I thought was really interesting here, especially in hindsight. Uh, JM made a sharp note about how the Patriots defense in Foxborough is notoriously difficult, even if they aren't, uh, you know, the scariest bunch or have the, you know, the the big name guys on defense. They just really, really do well at scheming. And for the Lions to uh, be on the road versus that could be a spot where things could get messy. And then obviously you've got the the Patriots run game uh, who, you know, we clearly talked about because they had such a great matchup here, not a premier quarterback playing for them. And yeah, the results came out a little differently than we may have expected due to a Damian Harris injury. But overall interesting spot there so again just wrapping up here big spots can fail it's important for us to remember that nothing is a sure thing especially when you have two good teams especially if those good teams have good defenses and the other component is if these teams know each other well Just a note here, because we've had these games recently, uh, in addition to Philly at Arizona, we also had San Fran and the Los Angeles Chargers last week. And then just last night on Sunday Night Football, Cincinnati, Baltimore. All these games were underwhelming from a scoreboard standpoint this is you know, what you could categorize as good football, um, but these teams know each other well. All right, moving on. Overall strategy. Let the slate come to you. So I'm excited to talk about this because I really haven't too much so far, uh, but this is really how I'm playing this year and how I'm focusing on playing. I kind of moved into this at the end of last year and and really the whole second half of last year I feel like I kind of started to do this but I'm really focusing on it this year so what do I mean by let the slate come to you well let's take a step back and think about how most of the field approaches DFS and very likely you and just as a disclaimer there's nothing wrong with that uh But what is that? That is to play the main slate heavily. That's where most of your bankroll goes. Play a little bit of uh, short slates, maybe try to make up some of your bankroll in the afternoon. If you've lost early in the day or uh, have started losing or, you know, there's no coming back for you, you're not not hitting it big. And then play some showdowns for fun. This is how I would imagine a vast majority of the field plays. Now, why do we do this? (laughs) I think it's really important to ask why. Uh, And to me, maybe you have a different answer. I would love to know. Feel free to hit me up in Discord uh, at BFritz12. But I would say that the answer to that question is because that's what seems to make the most sense it's a the most fun because of the payouts and the contests offered to you on the main slate but b because that's just kind of what we're used to doing that just seems like the quote-unquote right way to play things that's where the most content is Uh, the main slate is the biggest therefore it's the best and we should all be playing on that I would challenge you to reflect on that a little bit and just consider if that's true for you. Because for me, that is not true. Putting most of my bankroll towards the main slate and playing a little bit here and there on the other slates and showdowns is not the most plus EV thing for me to be doing. That is not optimizing my goal, which is to build my bankroll. I personally, and I would imagine most of you listening to this podcast at OWS, and especially those of you listening to this podcast because you are intentional about growing as a player and reflecting and reviewing your play, we know the, the games and the teams well. And we have the ability to put those pieces together in a way that the rest of the field probably can't as much because they aren't having the content served up to them on a platter. And they just probably don't have as good of a grasp on football and scoring and how that really, really works out on a given, you know, in one given game, if you're playing showdown or in a few games, if you're playing afternoon, Etc. Let the slate come to you. What that means to me is that I let the slate determine where my play and my bankroll goes for a given week. In general, I try to put most of my bankroll towards smaller slates, so like afternoon and early, because I personally do better on slates with less games. I am better when I have a smaller pool of players to choose from, and I can get really into the weeds about how these games could play out and then building around that. So for me to deep dive on three games in an afternoon slate, I am much better at that than I am to look at a whole main slate and try to figure out how I want to stack that, especially as a single entry player, not playing large fields or mass multi entering. And so I find myself getting really overwhelmed with, I like all these players, I can see all these stacks and things that I would really like, but at the end of the day, I'm really only playing a couple of them. So it can feel really hard uh, to not feel like I'm missing out on things. So, for me, focusing my bankroll on smaller slates and even showdowns, which is something that I have had uh, some of my better uh, like ROI in, makes sense to me. Now, that can be difficult, and I sometimes have to be disciplined because the main slate is fun, right? Like again, like I said, that's where we all go. That's where we tend to. So, again, I would challenge you to reflect on if, and this is if you're playing that way, of course, but if you are playing that way, is that the the most plus EV, is that the optimal way for you to allocate your bankroll and allocate your energy? Okay, so... That's the the overview from a slate standpoint. I'll quickly uh, just a little detailed view here so that you know where I was going. This particular week, I really liked playing just the early in the afternoon. I didn't care about main slate. And the reason why is because I wanted to play uh Eagles heavy in the afternoon, and I'll get to the details in a second, but essentially overstack that the Eagles. And then in the early, I was very excited to not worry about the Eagles. So to not even bother there. Now, you could also say that uh, you know, I could play the afternoon slate, I could play the Eagles heavily, and then still play main slate and go um you know, like more underweight or less heavy on the Eagles, and so you're still kind of playing that strategy. But for me personally, I like the idea of completely splitting it. So for me, my early strategy was uh, pretty simple. I really liked the Dolphins. So between Teddy Bridgewater and Raheem Mostert, you got... (laughs) <laughs> theoretically, uh, because obviously it didn't play out this way, but you had theoretically all of the offensive points from a good team against a bad defense in a game that could be back and forth for very cheap. These guys were both, uh, I think you end up spending right around like 11 K basically between these two guys. And they just had a, a really solid floor and a, Pretty decent ceiling. So really like those combo. Then it was easy enough to add Hill and or Waddle into these lineups, because as I had mentioned quickly before, the distribution on this team is just so, so narrow. Hill and Waddle just account for a massive share of the targets. And while Teddy is not Tua, uh, he showed that he can run the offense and I really didn't expect it to look too, too different than it has. So I was pretty comfortable going there. A little bit of uncertainty, but I figured with the that baked into the price that I was definitely willing to take that on. And again, just as a reminder, and for any of you that aren't familiar with my play style, I am really focused on small field tourneys. So really looking for like a hundred entries, uh, a couple hundred entries. So when you're playing those like a field that small, it is very viable to just put place your bets on a given team on a given offense, Um, not necessarily even a game environment. You're kind of doing that and you probably should be, but uh, just putting your money on that, placing your bets there is a very viable strategy. Whereas once you start overstacking in larger fields, uh, that starts to be—it's not necessarily not viable, but it starts to be a little bit less viable because you're starting to sacrifice some ceiling. The other things I was focusing on in the early slate were blocks of Godwin and Otten. Uh, just really liked the the floor and ceiling from those guys at the price. Uh, yeah, just felt solid there. Let me build in a bunch of other stuff. Uh, Chubb and Amari was a block that I really liked because the Chargers run defense has been terrible. And with Nick's, Nick Chubb's explosiveness, really liked him there. And then Amari had a little bit of a down game last week, but he is definitely a focal point of the offense. And so just really liked those two guys to soak up a lot of the scoring there. Now, I've got some additional thoughts on that that I will get to soon here. Like, basically, devil's advocate to myself and why I don't love, love this. Um, but that was something that I liked. And then... I also liked a couple guys who were once i had looked at ownership, I was a little bit surprised and wanted to have some shares of Uh, that was Mike Williams in that same game. I was really surprised to see him as low as he was. Justin Jefferson, again, just very surprised to see how low he was, but he hasn't had uh, his kind of blow up games recently. And then this one was more off the board, but Terry McLaurin, he really doesn't have the same uh, alpha role in that offense or not even close really anymore. But because he's been so quiet and because of the injuries and because I expected the commanders to look much better offensively this week, wrong. Um, <laughs> he, I really liked him as a uh, a really kind of off the board, but what I thought was pretty solid play there. Uh, right. Moving on to afternoon. As I said, I basically, my strategy here was Eagles over stack. That was pretty much it again, small fields. So keep that in mind. But essentially what I was doing here was playing Jalen hurts. No Miles Sanders, not because he was not a decent play, but because I just wanted to avoid anybody chasing that. And because of the way I was building, it was hurts. A.J.B., Devontae Smith, Dallas Goddard. Now, that may sound like overkill, but when you have a three-game slate, and especially with the three-game slate that we had here where there were, well, were some uh just not-so-exciting offenses or potentially really sloppy, low-scoring teams here, I really liked that. And I didn't think that the field would be doing that because the general tendency is you cannot play three pass catchers from the same team, especially with a quarterback that could be scoring touchdowns on the ground there. That is, there is truth to that. So I do want to point that out, but this was just how I felt. I wanted to play it this week because I felt there is a better chance than the field would give it credit for, uh, for the Eagles guys just All getting there and these other spots just really failing. Didn't happen, obviously, uh, but in hindsight, not upset about the bet. uh, Would do it again. Jeff Wilson and 49ers defense. I really liked this combo. I was just ready for the 49ers defense to absolutely blow Mayfield and the Panthers out of the water with how bad they've looked recently. Uh, For any of you that don't know, I live in Raleigh, North Carolina, so it's not Charlotte, but uh, I get the games on TV. So while I'm not a Panthers fan, I do watch the games some, uh, but not much this season because it's just been a waste of time. They are terrible. Nothing new there, but I like the 49ers D on a slate where the Cowboys defense was kind of the obvious cheap go to the 49ers D paying up for them. Uh, I like that as a leverage piece. And yeah, Jeff Wilson, just from a price considered standpoint and the lack of running back plays on this slate was Uh, basically a lock for me there and then finally this one was a little weird but I liked it Uh, Connor as leverage so James Connor you know from a matchup standpoint and stuff nothing really pointed there but he does score touchdowns and the field would not be playing him because they're focused on Marquise Brown Zach Ertz uh, maybe even Rondale more a little bit. So you've got these other guys, you know, thinking about shootout and you're going to be playing those guys. Didn't get there uh, again. It's not like some like super strong solid bet or something like that. But I really I, I liked the theory there and where that was coming from. Didn't get there because of injury and just because. Uh, but I still like that and would go there again as well. So there we go. There's a little bit of how my play looked this weekend. Uh, This was my worst week of the year so far. Basically lost everything, whereas I've had a pretty decent start to the year otherwise. Okay, as I told you, we've got a lot to do, a lot to get through today. Um, But we are moving on to wrap up the strategy section here with my personal misses along with my biggest mistake. Oh man, this hurts. This hurts. Ah, You know, you just have weeks where uh, you just have one of those misses where you look back and you're like, how did this happen? I'll get to that in just a second. <laughs> the w- The first thing that really hurt my week was injuries. And I just wanted to quickly touch on this because I think it's very easy to get frustrated, demoralized, uh, look at your play and say, oh, like I should have known this or shouldn't have played that guy or like, it's just easier to second guess yourself when there are injuries because it's just so uh, no pun intended, but it's so painful to be like, you know, to see Teddy go out on the second play of the game and be like, okay, all my early rosters are shot. It's just hard. So I just wanted to point out that it's just part of the game and you really just have to lean into. Was that play coming from the right place? Uh, Where, you know, did you place your bet where your confidence level was? And if so, that just is what it is. So I mean, I had Teddy Bridgewater, Damian Harris. uh, I played basically in all of my early as well. James Conner, as I talked about for the afternoon. And then Dalton Schultz was a uh, a, an afternoon piece for me as well. So, yeah, just nothing you can do about it. You just have to take it and move on. All right. Okay. Back to my my biggest mistake here. I've got this highlighted in red in my notes because just so painful. You guys know now from not you know like today, uh, but if you've listened to me in the past, that my strategy a lot of times is blocks, finding these teams that are going to put up a lot of points, taking a couple guys from them, and you know building around that. Josh Allen, Gabe Davis, and Shakir. Uh, Yeah, ouch. Now, I want to point out that this isn't purely a hindsight is 2020 situation where I'm upset because I saw it in hindsight. Okay, I mean, we've got the biggest value on the slate with Shakir. Uh, You know, just I totally whiffed their... I noted it early in the week and then I like forgot about it somehow. Uh, and I I think what happened this week was I actually didn't end up looking at the player grid uh, and reading the scroll because I was tight for time this weekend. So I just threw some lineups together on Sunday. Um, so that was a miss. Gabe Davis. This one hurts me because it's like literally the first thing that happened, I think, on Sunday was a Gabe Davis and I looked at my ESPN app, a 98 yard touchdown. Now, obviously that is something that we cannot expect and account for, but this one hurts me because I highlighted Gabe Davis as a play that I really liked because he just has this ceiling, obviously that we're seeing here. And he just hasn't hit recently. And so I felt good that it was coming soon and his price is low for him. So I had him, I had noted him down on my, after my first look, my, my early run through in the week. And then I eventually moved away from him and Josh Allen because I saw this as a blowout environment. And therefore, these guys could not be trusted. I I, I really struggle with this. Uh, I feel like I am averse to these blah environments because I just don't want to get into a situation where my quarterback gets pulled going into the third quarter. Here's the thing. The Bills don't give a shit. They are going to score five touchdowns and then they'll think about coming off the field when the, even if the other team is scoring zero. So always have to remember that with the bills, uh this, you know, this kind of thing is team specific. They don't care. They'll keep putting up points and the, the floor and ceiling of these three guys, Josh Allen, Gabe Davis and Shakir uh was just massive, <laughs> just massive. There, there really wasn't a sure thing than Josh Allen in this spot. So, biggest mistake on the week was at least not considering these guys in this this stack, this block. Um, it's one thing to say, oh, I should have played them in all my lineups. oh uh, like I'm not saying that necessarily. I'm saying I should have at least been playing around with them and I did not. So ouch, <laughs> that one hurts. Uh, I will quickly mention too that I because I talked about it last week with, The uh, the Geno Smith thing and playing a low price quarterback, I do think that a lot of times people undervalue that, but I should be very honest and say that for myself, a lot of times I try to play that too much and I don't always uh, value the ceiling quarterback like Josh Allen enough. Again, I think this is something that's very, very important to take on a slate-to-slate basis, but just something that I wanted to quickly mention there. Okay, other piece was failing to go back to the well with Mike Williams and Austin Eckler. Ugh, just, you know, again, this is one of those things where reflecting on your strengths and your weaknesses is important for me. I have a a weakness where I don't like to go back to the well. So I hit with Eckler last week. If you listened, I was pretty happy about that. And because of that, I essentially wrote it off as a black and white rule this week that I'm not going back to him because I hit and I'm not going to go back there and miss this week. So, how like, why was this a mess up, right? Instead of just hindsight is twenty twenty, Uh Because, as I mentioned before, like, these are the guys on this offense with Keenan Allen out. There's so much scoring and volume flowing through Mike Williams and Austin Eckler. Not to mention just talent in general. So, that is why it was not great. It's different if... Like last week, I played Rashad Penny and you hit on Rashad Penny and then you say, I'm not going back to the well of Rashad Penny. That was even still viable this week. But uh, point being, it depends on the player, the week and the environment and and ownership. That's the other thing that's really important here is it's not like Eckler's ownership skyrocketed. He was still relatively low owned. So that's why that was a mistake on my part. Cowboys defense. Uh, yeah, I did not play Cowboys defense this week. And this is actually pretty ironic because I talked them up to my to myself in my notes in my first look that I did this week. Uh, especially after just watching Stafford and the Rams get blasted. Uh, which I'm just realizing now. I think I misspoke and said Chargers instead of Rams earlier. All these L.A. teams. Um yeah, it just it just hurts because it opened up so much. I did want to talk about this just in general for everybody because I think this is something that's a, a strategy piece that a lot of people are curious about, which is, oh, I faded the, the chalky cheap defense. Am I a fish or what happened? And I would say that in this case this was a uh, a very specific instance where this just doesn't happen it's different when 30% of the field or whatever obnoxious number it was was playing the bengal's defense a few weeks ago this week you had like the the cowboys were just fundamentally mispriced and so uh, Playing them was still sharp, regardless of ownership. However, on the flip side, I do also want to mention for those of you that faded the Cowboys defense, you're not an idiot because you did that. There's always it's always, always, always viable to fade a defense that's going to be high owned Uh, especially a cheap one because they're just going to be even higher owned and so you can have more leverage by going elsewhere kind of like i mentioned with uh, playing the 49ers on the afternoon slate so they were mispriced Uh, they were a great play this week we're probably not ever going to have a situation like that again uh, at least not very often so just A note there okay wrapping up the personal misses I just want to throw a little curveball in there because I thought this was kind of fun I thought about it afterwards and was like I should have at least played with a roster like this and and here's something I've seen about recently too is like playing cheap like really low dollar stuff for whatever you know relative to whatever uh, stakes you're playing is a good way to just go YOLO on a lineup. So in this instance, what I'm talking about is like, I I should have thrown in a daily dollar uh, lineup with Otten at tight end and Bates in the flex. (laughs) Now, I know some people are going to throw up. Uh, Maybe you'll stop listening, but hear me out. You've got two guys who have like actually legit roles just because of injuries and how the like things are set up and their offenses. Now, do these guys have big ceilings? No, they don't. Like let's be very clear about that. However, it is not insane to envision a week in which they both fall into a touchdown. again, because of what their situations are. If you get these two guys combining for 30 points and you paid, 5100 for them you're feeling pretty damn good and the reason i'm mentioning this is because if you do that then you have 6.4k left for each remaining spot in your roster if you play cowboys defense with them then you have 7k remaining for the spots the leftover spots on your roster which could lead to just a really fun lineup Uh, You know, could play Josh Allen, Gabe Davis, Justin Jefferson, Mike, you know, so you get the idea. Uh, So anyways, not not like a legit something that I was uh, (laughs) upset about, but something I just thought about afterwards is like that would have been kind of fun to see the I mean, a true, true stars and scrubs thing there. Okay. Done, 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 done with part one, the strategy section. I went an entire podcast length with just that, which means that we're going to keep these next two pieces very short. So let's jump right into fluke or fail. Was the score fluky or did we fail by not having them on our roster? Top scores of the week. Mr. Josh Allen coming in at number one, 39.16 points. Yeah, you know, I kind of mentioned it during my uh my miss piece. He's he's Josh Allen. He's gonna have weeks like this. we already talked about him. Uh I can't remember if it was last week, or the week before. <clears throat> the week before. Uh just yeah, he's gonna have these 30 plus point games and in this spot. Uh, He just, you know, he easily could have blown up. So, yeah, no surprise there. Always going to be viable. Austin Eckler at number two with 38.9 points. I noticed some pain in my chest when I said that. Oh, man. So brutal. Um, But, yeah, uh, I mean talked about it already right just has such a huge role in this offense a lot of talent good game environment no reason he could not put up a great score there number three you ready for this Taysom hill at 37.08 uh if you saw him coming then you have some gifts my friend because that was quite the game from Taysom. uh Big pat on the back for him uh, with his career game there. Really cool. Super fun guy to watch. Nobody saw that coming. All right. Number four, Leonard Fournette, 35.9. Yeah, you know, this is one of those situations where uh it feels really tricky. Really tricky because... At the beginning of the year, we would have been like, yeah, sure. Like Blenny's going to have a couple 30 plus point games or he's got the capacity for that at least. But after last week where Rashad White got some pretty serious run, uh, I think, I mean, at least myself, but I think a lot of us were looking elsewhere as Fournette, you know, we're scared off of this workhorse role but he's still on a, uh, I mean, a good team, uh, not not necessarily a great team this year, but a good team that's getting their offensive pieces back against a bad defense at home. Yeah, I mean, it's not something that probably most of us saw coming, but at the same time, in hindsight, not super surprising. I will also mention here that this is an awesome, awesome leverage spot. So I think this is just a great thing to highlight because it's really important to train ourselves to think like this. Everybody is on Godwin, right? Everybody wants to play the pass catchers in this offense. Otten is the cheap tight end option. What if the scoring goes to Laren Fournette, who has a good a uh, good matchup who has the ability, who was a workhorse coming into the year. So just thinking about leverage, thinking about if these popular guys don't score the touchdowns, where would the touchdowns be coming from specifically on a good offense? Gabe Davis with 35.1. Ouchie again. Uh, so just for... Those keeping score at home, Austin Eckler, thirty eight point nine points. Gabe Davis, thirty five point one points. Two guys that I was high on coming into the week and somehow let go of. So, uh, yeah. And again, that's I'm half joking here, but just to make a note of like how these things happen is important. Justin Jefferson, thirty three point three two points. I mentioned him as a guy that I liked who was going really low owned. We know what his ceiling is. He was still very pricey at 8.9k. I didn't love, love how he fit into my builds, but I still made sure to get him in a couple places because he the ceilings there, the field was off of him. Always want to be overweight in those situations. Brees Hall, 30.7 points. This is another painful one for me. So I could have uh, waited to make this statement until I read this one because same deal. Uh, Brees Hall was somebody that I highlighted in my initial run through this week and then essentially wrote off as matchup too hard of a matchup. Even like saying that and hindsight, I'm like I ah really um, because of his role and pass catching. I, you know, the matchup was, you know, saying he's matchup proof is a little bit strong, but really he still had a role, especially in that game environment where he had a really solid floor and ceiling. So, yeah, that'll that'll round out the pain for me and you guys can stop listening to my moaning, but I'm hoping that you're kind of seeing through my mistakes uh, how how they happen to all of us like it's just it's a very natural thing but yeah Uh, last two guys here Tyler Lockett 30.4 points I was really not on Lockett whatsoever this week Uh, but there he is he was the chalk so that probably hurt many of us (laughs) Uh, Derek Henry with his first 30 point showing I believe of the year Uh, 30.2 points Yeah, I actually it hurts a little less knowing that the commanders didn't play better because another thing I noted early in the week was that Henry with a bring back of like basically with a stack of uh, Wentz, McLaurin and Curtis Samuel was interesting to me. Once I got to the weekend, I I didn't like it quite as much, but it was something that was there early in the week. So if you didn't get the gist already, at least for me, the story of the week was like, don't forget your early week thoughts. Don't throw those out. Circle back to those when you're creating rosters or have created your rosters and are kind of reviewing on late Saturday or whatever. Okay, we talked about Cowboys defense. I wanted to mention them in this section too, but I kind of hit on the points there uh, that they were a pretty solid play. Something else I want to mention here, just because I was a little focused on it, I talked about the game earlier with Nick Chubb. He had a prime spot this past week in terms of game environment, in terms of matchup. He had a prime spot. Scored twenty eight point four points. I think it's very important to understand that he, like he has a ceiling, but it's really not quite as high as people think, and he's just going to hit it so rarely that paying the price that you're going to pay for him is really over time uh, just a negative EB. Proposition, It's just not great. So something that I'm personally remembering this week, uh, because while I didn't play a ton of him, that was kind of where I started moving towards the end of the week was going Justin Jefferson rather than Nick Chubb in the flex, uh, or at least the way that I was uh, constructing my roster is not playing Nick Chubb in the running back position or playing him there. So, just a note there on Nick Chubb. All right, y'all. Finally, what did we learn this week? Uh, I actually have something which is totally off the board from what I've been mentioning. But before I get to that, essentially what I just said was uh, my biggest takeaway personally. Look back at your early week notes. At least know why you're moving off of guys. If you're moving off of guys, this is something that I have done notoriously. uh, So something that I need to continue to repeat out loud into myself so that I get better at it. Review my early week notes late in the weekend. The other thing was let the slate come to you and consider how you are allocating your time, your energy and your bankroll Over the course of the weekend, are you optimizing your strategy? Are you picking intentionally and strategically the contest sets you're playing? Or are you just kind of going with the trend and the flow and what seems to be the the way you quote unquote should be doing things? And then finally, the off the board one is play flash drafts. <laughs> JM kind of harped on this last season and I basically just never listened. Um but yeah, I started doing this a little bit more. For one, it's fun and if you're just doing like the dollar ones, you can sit there and spend like 10 bucks over the course of the game and just have fun. Like it's, you know, especially during these games that suck because that's what I did the other night during that brutal Broncos Colts game and I placed first in one of the drafts. I turned a buck into 40 bucks uh, and made up some losses from the the slate. So uh, play flash drafts. They are plus EV because people are not playing them in a plus EV manner. So uh, you have an edge because Especially as you start doing it more, you start to see what creates high scores, what creates first place. People are not stacking guys, is pretty much the the thing that I noticed. So, because the scoring is so low, you want to like if a guy's going to hit, you want him to hit. So you stack them up, you hit the multiplier, you. Uh, hit a guy in a couple spots, whereas most people are spreading their exposure out. So, therefore, increasing their floor, but not necessarily their ceiling. And they are probably most likely focusing on the big-name big, big name guys. So, they're doing that rather than uh, noticing how the game flow is going uh, situationally, where things are at. Uh, are they not going to be able to kick a... F- field goal or are they going to have to to tie it? you know just all those things people are not thinking about it that critically so plus ev it's fun go and play flash drafts all right y'all uh thank you for your time this week i know i uh have rambled on a quite a bit here but like i said i really wanted to get to a handful of things today and i hope you enjoyed it would love to hear from you i'm at beefords 12 in discord feel free to hit me up in a personal message in the reflections uh channel i always love talking to you guys so uh please don't be shy Hit me up. Let me know how you did. Feel free to bounce some of your thoughts off of me, even if it's just to say the things out loud. I get to sit here and do this for 30 or 45 or close to an hour tonight uh, and and get this out and share out loud. And so I benefit from doing this, which is uh, really cool. And you know, hopefully you guys are benefiting as well. But point being... Write your thoughts down, write them out in the reflections channel. A uh, quick shout out to Solo, who Roto Maven uh, shouted out in the content th- uh, channel in Discord for every week, uh, just like having such a great reflection shout out to you solo because uh yeah it's it's really awesome and i think uh, many people are enjoying that so use that space guys i uh, just wanted to kind of shout out but then also note that it's a great space for you to learn and grow as well uh, not just by listening but also by sharing yourself Alrighty, that's it. Thanks, y'all, for hanging out. I uh, hope you had a great week five, and I hope to see you at the Tableau leaderboards in week six.